We're only nine days into October, and already Chinese warplanes have crossed into Taiwan's airspace seven times this month. On Thursday, the U.S. military made its presence known in the strait. Local aircraft spotters reported that an American warplane flew through the strait from north to south, tracing an unofficial boundary known as the Median Line. The move is seen as a clear message to Beijing that the U.S. is committed to stability in the Taiwan Strait. PLA aircraft entered Taiwan's southwestern airspace on Thursday for what it announced was routine training. It marked the seventh Chinese intrusion into Taiwanese airspace this month. In every instance, Taiwan scrambled jets to repel the planes. On Thursday, the U.S. also made its presence known. A plane marked AE-596A appeared on the radar on Thursday as it flew southward along the median line of the Taiwan Strait. It was a Lockheed MC-130 belonging to the U.S. Air Force stationed in Japan's Okinawa. Experts say the U.S. mission was in response to PLA harassment of Taiwan. Recently, Pompeo was at the Quadrilateral Security Dialogue in Tokyo. He said that the U.S. was doing all it could to safeguard peace in the Taiwan Strait. With Beijing at the door, President Tsai has asserted Taiwan's resolve to defend itself. She's also moved to defuse regional tensions, announcing that she had no plans to speak with Japan's new prime minister over the phone. Earlier this week, Taiwan's foreign minister said there were no plans to re-establish formal ties with Washington. President Tsai's rhetoric on cross-strait relations has remained consistent. But now she's facing China's constant military provocation, along with shifts in the Taiwan-U.S.-China triangle. This year, her National Day address will be very closely watched for its stance and tone. If we were to accept one country, two systems, there would no longer be room for the Republic of China's existence. As president, defending national sovereignty is not an act of provocation. It is my fundamental responsibility. I believe President Tsai will maintain the tone she's always had, that is, she will maintain the status quo, with an emphasis on the median line of the Taiwan Strait. She will affirm her resolve to defending Taiwan. Besides touting Taiwan's COVID strategy, Tsai is widely expected to comment on the worsening state of cross-strait relations. Well, tomorrow is National Day, and as part of the celebration, a 33-minute fireworks show will take place Saturday night at 8 o'clock at Tainan's Yuguang Island. Tainan Mayor Huang Weizhe says due to a great trial run, organizers decided to increase the number of fireworks launched from 16,000 to 27,000. That's 60% more sparkle than originally planned. Five years after the fact, the Singapore summit between Ma Ying-jeou and Xi Jinping is back in the news. According to a news report, the custodians of Taiwan's historical archive have rejected two bottles of liquor served at the Ma Xi summit, declaring them to be of, quote, no historical value. The report was carried in the United Daily News, which went on to accuse the DPP of orchestrating the rejection to make a political point. But the archivists who dealt with the artifacts have a different story. In November 2015, Xi and Ma held a historic meeting in Singapore, followed by a banquet. Ma emerged with his face slightly flushed, according to a report. 
Did Xi Jinping beat you at drinking? <laughs> we weren't competing. He said he didn't have much of a tolerance. I said I don't either. At the banquet, each side brought fine domestically produced liquor. Xi's side presented Mao Tai, which has long been served at Chinese state banquets. In today's market, one bottle of Mao Tai sells for at least 13,000 NT, with the highest end selections fetching more than 1 million NT. Ma's delegation brought Black Dragon Jinmen Gaoliang liquor from Jinmen. Today, Black Dragon from 2015 can cost almost 30,000 NT. After the summit, Ma's delegation brought some of the unopened bottles to Taiwan. After Ma stepped down in 2016, memorabilia from his presidency were taken to Academia Historica for storage. A new report claims that Academia Historica rejected memorabilia from the Mashi summit and returned two liquor bottles served at the banquet. Our laws do not permit alcoholic products in storage, so these bottles do not meet the requirements for storage. I want to point out especially that the bottles were not brought here and then rejected. The person responsible for the case said that is not what happened. The bottles did not enter the collection. They did not enter, so they were never rejected and sent back to the presidential office. Academia Historica said that it does not collect alcoholic products due to security concerns and not for reasons relating to the summit. It said it has other artifacts from the meeting, including documents, photographs and videos. According to the Presidential and Vice Presidential Records and Artifacts Act, artifacts to be archived by Academia Historica include letters, manuscripts, personal notes, videotapes, audio recordings, CDs and preservable gifts valued at over 3,000 NT. The list does not include alcohol. I suppose this news piece was manufactured to highlight the importance of the Mashi summit. Our management of presidential artifacts holds up to scrutiny. Public opinion remains divided on the Mashi summit. Five years on, the liquor served at the event is still capturing headlines. Taiwan registered three new imported cases of COVID-19 on Friday. Two were arrivals from the Philippines and one was an arrival from Ukraine. Recently, several cases that tested negative upon arrival in Taiwan were later diagnosed with the virus after their mandatory isolation period. The Central Epidemic Command Center says this could be due to the screening method used at the airport. Let's hear from a spokesman. Medical staff assisted with the screening. They initially used oropharyngeal swabs for testing before switching to deep throat saliva tests. The literature today seems to indicate a phenomenon that could be either good or bad. I don't know. And it's that if your infection is older, then deep throat saliva tests will be more likely to miss it. In actuality, the overall impact of this hasn't been so bad. Taiwan has not reported a new domestic case since April 12th, but imported cases have continually streamed in. 20 imports were reported in August and another 26 in September. Officials say so far this month, 13 infections have been reported, reflecting a worsening pandemic outside of Taiwan's borders. And now an update on the ongoing drought. Taiwan's 13 reservoirs now range between 20 and 60 percent of total capacity. With dry season about to start, first phase water rationing will begin in some northern areas next Wednesday. In this stage, water pressure will be reduced in off-peak hours. Economics Minister Wang Meihua says if supplies stay tight, the next step will be to reduce irrigation water to farmers. Browse furrowed, the economics minister inspects the precarious water supply at Sherman Reservoir. Due to sparse rainfall and the absence of typhoons in recent months, 
this reservoir has dipped below the 229 meter mark. Taoyuan's mayor tells locals to prepare for the worst case scenario. There are only 8,700 metric tons of water left in Shimen Reservoir. That's just 44% of the total capacity. In the worst case scenario, that percentage will move lower. Starting on the 14th, water pressure will be reduced at night. Restrictions could be expanded in the future. We are not yet going to cut off the water. Household use and commercial use will not be affected. Up until the end of the year, we will conduct rolling reviews of water restrictions. So with regard to phase 2 water rationing, which is restrictions on irrigation from Taoyuan to Taichung, there might be such measures coming up. We will check on this issue with the Council of Agriculture next Wednesday before making an announcement. The main reservoirs serving northern Taiwan, Feitui and Sherman, are now at roughly 40% capacity. In southern Taiwan, Tsungwen Reservoir has dropped to 33%. The alert level has been raised from green to yellow in Taoyuan, Xinju, Miaoli and Taichung, marking the start of first phase water rationing. In these areas, water pressure will be reduced starting October 14th, with tougher restrictions possible later on. With the dry season coming up, locals are bracing for the light to turn orange or even red. Water shortages are really troublesome. It's a great inconvenience in everyday life for households, for businesses too, especially factories. If your location in the water supply network is at the back of the pipeline, if you're someone at the end, then this situation is really a cause for concern. The water level keeps falling, so fewer people are coming to Shimen Reservoir. This boat owner runs sightseeing tours. A dry and unsightly reservoir will repel tourists and hurt profits, he says. Locals say the drought would be a nightmare if it continues. Cancer patients can experience a loss of appetite, but it's precisely when they're battling a disease that they need to maintain a balanced diet. Doctors and dietitians held a press conference Friday to promote an anti-inflammatory diet designed for cancer patients. Inflammation is what happens when your body's white blood cells overreact to fight invaders like bacteria or viruses. Recent research has linked chronic inflammation to diseases including cancer. The research has published about the relationship about cancer and inflammation. There are a tight relationship. Um, if you have the chronic inflammation, it may lead to some chronic disease such as cancer. Inflammation doesn't just increase the risk for developing cancer. In cancer patients, a state of inflammation is associated with worse survival outcomes, according to Dr. Wang Zaoyuan. We have found uh, the very important uh, our data that regarding the NLR. That means that the neutral fear. Uh, ratio and uh, of the lymphocytes. If the ratio is higher than three, that means maybe the patient is in the informative stage. Especially cancer patient, I think the patient in the informative stage, maybe they have the poor outcome. Dr. Wang said that in nearly 70% of cancer patients with low-level inflammation survived for more than 40 months. But among patients with a high-level inflammation, only 10% had a 40-month survival rate. Because inflammation can affect the development of cancer, nutritionists say patients should keep a diet that fights inflammation. Ling Yi-chen, a nutritionist at Jilong Tanga Memorial Hospital, recommends 2 grams of fish oil EPA per day, equivalent to 400 grams of salmon. For cancer patients, right when you know that you have been diagnosed with cancer, 
Before doing chemotherapy, you must first adjust your nutrition and immune status to an optimal state. You can ingest the so-called omega-3 from food, which contains DHA and EPA. But you may not be able to ensure that you get the daily amount that way, so you can get some help from nutritional supplements. Besides fish oil, you should also ensure protein and calorie intake. The nutritionist recommends chicken essence, fish soup, or protein powder for cancer patients. These provide calories and protein, which a cancer patient needs for muscle growth and tissue repair during therapy. Cancer patients should also consume a moderate amount of fat and sugar, rather than cutting them out completely. But cancer patients should first and foremost consult their doctor about what to eat to support their cancer treatment. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Tyson Yo in Taipei. Taipei Fashion Week is here, and this year the focus is sustainability as well as the new post-pandemic world. Renowned designer Justin Cho joined forces with a very unlikely model to take his creations down the catwalk. See if he can recognize her from somewhere. A model strolls the catwalk, hands in pockets. But just a moment, she's oddly familiar. That's because Rosalia Wu is a DPP lawmaker. Why has she left the halls of power to strut the catwalk? It's a great honor to give my first catwalk performance at Taipei Fashion Week. It was exhausting, my feet hurt, and I was so nervous. I think I'll keep my job as a legislator. It's more relaxed and simple. Wu appeared in the show together with TV host Mickey Huang. Taipei Fashion Week 2020 revolved around fashion, sustainability, and recovery from the pandemic. Wu's outfit was remodeled from her own wardrobe. It was three pieces of clothing originally, all tops, and they were light as a feather, floaty, kind of like a young girl or a princess look. He turned them into this really neat overcoat. The inside was tricky. You can see inside there are all these little flowers. They came from some decorative bits on the lawmaker's original top. Taiwanese designer Justin Cho is big on craftsmanship as well as sustainability. Remodeling clothing is his forte, as well as bringing local elements into his work. This year, the unique style of his personal brand once more featured in New York Fashion Week. He also created the uniforms for Taiwan's Tokyo Olympics team. But what score would he give the lawmaker for her catwalk credentials? I'd give her 200%. I thought she was amazing, honestly, amazing. You just need a good, fast pace. For everything else, you do you, and you can smile. Joe's exquisite sustainable fashion with its symbols of local life has a permanent place in one politician's wardrobe. Taiwan's new green gold could be an endemic citrus fruit known as hirami lemon. The Council of Agriculture says hirami lemons have many health benefits and culinary uses, giving the industry a lot of potential for growth. They are more nutritious than regular lemons and have a unique flavor that goes great with both sweet and savory food. Sea salt infused with hirami lemon zest is sprinkled on pork belly to balance out the greasiness. A slice of salmon marinated with hirami lemon is placed on toast for a light snack. In addition to dressing up savoury foods, the lemon can be added to desserts, like panna cotta as well, showing its versatility as an ingredient. Acidity-wise, it's like lemons, but it has a great peppery aroma and a great citrus aroma. It's unique in the ways it can be used. Not only can it be used in meat and seafood dishes, but it also works great in desserts. The aroma helps reduce the amount of sugar you need to add. The hirami lemon is native to Taiwan and rich in nutrients. 
It has 30 times more vitamin C than regular lemons. Its peel also contains nobiltine, tangeretin, and other flavonoids. Nabiotin is actually a chemical compound of a type of flavonoid. We all know that flavonoids are powerful antioxidants, which help our body reduce the damage caused by free radicals. If you want more of tangeretin, I can give you more tangeretin. If you want more nobilitin, I can give you more nobilitin. In recent years, the Council of Agriculture has promoted Taiwan's hirami lemon industry. Its contract farming program currently includes 150 farming families and has expanded from 280 hectares last year to 312 hectares this year. There's also a market for processed foods and health supplements made with hirami lemons. Juice exports alone reached 200 million NT dollars. Cooperation between government and industry can ensure that the quality of the hirami lemons produced is consistent. Hirami lemons are also known as flat lemons or Taiwan tangerines. In 2019, the Agricultural and Food Agency began promoting a scheme to convert abandoned betel nut fields to hirami lemon orchards. The agency hopes these lemons can be developed into a new green gold industry in southern Taiwan.